Cora Anarchy. Welcome to the Shadow Playground. Hello, thank you for having me. You are our first uh, drag performer, drag guest. I'm super excited to be diving into all things drag. And my first question for you is, would you be able to describe who is Cora Anarchy? What's she like? What is she like doing? What's her personality, her style, her color? It's a bit of an interesting uh, thing to explain because I think that I explore a lot of different aspects of myself through drag, specifically the character Cora Anarchy. One part of her is that um, she embodies the idea of counterculture or youth rule rebellion throughout the ages, whether that's our modern culture or something like 70s punk, anything that is considered like against the grain of the system. The other part of this is that I also embody different abstract entities or abstract formats or personas, depending on what I would like to convey through what I'm doing. So a little bit about my understanding of what drag is and my art. I see drag and being a drag performer very much as like ceremonial and sort of like a performance shamanism in the sense that whenever you're performing something, you are projecting an idea to to your audience and you're affecting something on a subconscious level, whether that is just entertaining to have a good time or if you have a deeper meaning, you're revealing an aspect of your spirit or your subconscious by putting on makeup or costumes and then performing different actions to show what your thought process is. A lot of what I do through drag explores it through that sort of lens or is very intentional in terms of exploring a subconscious meaning. I saw you perform and there was a definitely a magnetism, a magic in your presence on stage. And I also remember you just being so fully grounded in who you were. And that is, I mean, what um, I can just say that from an audience perspective, it was very beautiful to see you see uh, see Cora sharing, sharing her essence with everyone. I'm glad that you think so. And I'm glad that you saw that as well and felt it beyond just like the physical appearance. But what do you love most about doing drag? Ooh, let's see. In terms of doing drag, I love the idea of the aesthetic. I think that art, science, religion, etc., all of it is correlated. But with when you do something so intentional like drag, you are actively embodying different aspects and trying to figure out how am I going to convey what my thought process is to everyone around me, uh, especially on like a very visual medium. Uh, there's a very popular saying, as above, so below, as within, so without. I think that when people put on something or a dress, you're projecting what you're thinking on the inside. And what I really love is when somebody projects something that is very raw or personal to them, especially if it is considered more dark or more taboo because it opens up these conversations and it opens up different parts of the spirit that we're traditionally told to keep hidden or keep to ourselves. Uh, examples of this would be uh, just different issues involving mental health or mental awareness or the different ways that we feel oppressed. In a way, I think that when you project that out there or when you perform it, it is a sort of bloodletting. It allows us to feel catharsis. And maybe if people out there see it and understand what you're trying to do, they can also feel catharsis in knowing that somebody else understands it on a deeper level, the same way that they do. 
I remember you saying in your show that the shadow, you referenced the, the, the shadow even, talking about how you bring it up to the light and you share it with everyone. So yeah. how does it feel to be bringing something that's, you know, something like mental health or oppression or shame? How does it feel to be bringing that and sharing it and, and having it resonate with other people as well? Uh, I think it's amazing, actually. Like, um, uh, actually, let me tell you a little bit about how I started drag and why I started doing it. Whenever I first started doing drag, uh, I noticed that the people around me were using it to, I guess, portray the sort of pop star or sort of diva attitude, or which is great. And I think that it's awesome. It's just that when I started doing drag, I went for more of the monster route and I wanted to explore my shadow or my lower self and sort of let it out there so that people could know what I was thinking or feeling. And I thought that I would be a bit ostracized for it, but to my surprise, the people who were like me, the people who felt the way that I felt, came forward, like talking to me, praising what I was doing, and they understood and they were refreshed to see that there was some sort of deeper thought process behind what I was doing. And it's not an insult to people who are doing it for fun or doing it just uh, for the entertainment value because there's a lot of value in that. It's that I think that when you're an artist, you're responsible for telling a message to your audience. And the message that I want to say is very personal in the sense that um, I want people to be more self-aware or to have more autonomy in their life. And even something as simple as like going out to a drag show, somebody had to have actively made the choice to go and support queer art like this. And I want to reward that by showing you what you can do when you have autonomy and when you want to become the image of your imagination. You have a mission. There's a mission that's there. There's the self-awareness, there's the autonomy. And you mentioned that you, you had this desire to begin exploring your shadow. Where did that desire come from? Uh, and how did you begin to explore that through drag? So um, I'm going to explain something that's a bit more about my spiritual path because it's very much tied into this. Um, like I said before, a lot of my understanding of drag is very closely related to shamanism. I think that a lot of my personal practice and spirituality involves like invoking and evoking. And when I first started doing drag, I didn't do a regular like normal human look. Something about me that set me apart and I guess made me a bit more novel is that I used to always paint my face like a doll. And I used to always have staggered movements like a doll. Um, that's because a lot of my practice was trying to explore that specific archetype. I personally see my shadow as like a doll in the sense that it's an empty vessel. I felt like in my life, I was quite empty, especially with my depression or anxiety. I felt like I was toyed around with by the world or the forces around me. And I felt like I had no control in my life. So I used drag as a method of exploring my spirituality and to try to gain my own autonomy. And I said, what if this doll had the ability to think and move and act on its own? And if it did, after going through all of this, what would it say? What would it want to try to convey out there to the world? And um, like I said before, a lot of people really related to that message because in some ways we feel like we are moved around by the world or we don't have enough autonomy over ourselves. And 
when I started, a lot of people, I guess, were inspired to also think about how they move throughout life or how, well, like when we give up control, when is that a good thing? Or maybe when is that not a good thing? So you went inside and found the part that felt empty and anxious and depressed and disconnected and said, this part is coming to the world. What does this part want to say and do? The major thing that I have found after doing all of this is that I think that it is more important to embrace your darkness or to accept that it's there instead of trying to cover it over. Um, whenever we refer to something as like the shadow or the darkness or what have you, you have to remember that there's a lot of potential that comes from when something is not lit. When something is brought into the light, it is defined and has a shape. When something is defined as dark or in the shadow, it means it has potential. You don't know what it looks like yet. You don't know what its definition is. And there's so many different amazing things that can come out of it. Um, the other aspect though that I found is that whatever negative emotions you're feeling, you can feel the exact inverse um, in the same sort of degree. So for example, if you feel very depressed, theoretically, you could feel very much alive or have a lot of vitality in the opposite direction if you understand how to sort of catapult it there. It doesn't happen immediately, but the degree that you feel negativity, you can feel the exact opposite degree, um, in the opposite direction, rather. Well, I feel like you're a genius, first of all, and I have a lot of follow-up questions. First, I wanted to just clarify the vocabulary. You talk about invoking and evoking. What do those terms mean for you? Um, when you invoke something, it means that you are taking that spirit or that energy within you. And when you are evoking, you are conjuring up that spirit or energy, but it's being projected outside of you. Um, so let's say, take, for example, the drag that I do. If I'm doing something that is more of a difficult emotion, perhaps I am invoking a character or invoking different qualities that I think are related to the darkness but perhaps I'm also trying to evoke an emotion out of a people. Uh, let's see. For example, if I'm trying to act as a character that is more villainous or menacing, maybe I'm taking in the qualities that I see in myself that I think are toxic or that I think people won't like. And I'm trying to evoke that feeling of like, this is what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling about myself into other people. It's very much similar as like acting or if you were an actor trying to play that character and also trying to convey what that character is going through to your audience so that they might take something and learn something from it. You mentioned this idea of, you know, the catapult, like to the extent to which you can feel depressed or sad or down, you can also catapult up. How does that, yeah, exactly. what does that process look like for you? Let's see. The first thing you have to do is understand and like analyze your emotions. Like you have to understand where you are and where you've been to know where you're going. Uh, whatever negativity you're feeling, you have to understand to what degree that feels like. Uh, you have to understand also that there might, you might have to like visualize what it looks like. Like, oh, if I wasn't like this, what would the opposite of this look like? Now that uh, you have a sort of end goal and you know where you are, you have to release that potential by doing something I think is creative or cathartic. Letting it out into the world or allowing it to be expressed in some way brings you back to a neutral point. And 
when you go from that neutral point, you can actually continue to go uh, up towards wherever it is you would like to go. A part of it is letting go of the negativity as well, but understanding that if you've expressed that negativity, theoretically, you can express the opposite feeling. Mm. It's just that you need to be in the right mindset to express that positive feeling or the other side of that coin before you try to do it. If you try to um, express something incredibly positive when you're very like sad or negative, you're not necessarily in the right headspace. And that might actually make it feel worse because you're trying to, it's like it's, you're trying to do something that is counterintuitive. I feel like it is best when you fully feel your feelings in the moment. Because when you do that, uh, you'll reset yourself at a neutral position. I think that it's normal in life to go through waves or cycles of emotions. I think that it's about understanding that wave and understanding how you act and react in that moment. Hmm. Uh, a part of uh, my journey, I guess, was understanding how I was feeling and the different negative habits or traits that I felt within myself, like how I treated myself, or maybe even how I treated the people around me, trying to understand that and then channel it into something a bit more positive, uh, something that's constructive, like for me, cleaning up feels good because when I clean the area around me, it's like I'm cleaning my mind. If I'm organizing the area around me, it's like I'm organizing my mind. Art can also be very good for that as well because you're expressing a part of, um, yeah, whatever it is you're feeling in some sort of tangible form, whether that's music or like visual arts or writing or like drag for me. I think that it's important to get it out there and to also let it go at some point because you can't feel something forever, even if it's a core part of you. I think that it might actually be something of a superpower or sort of like a center of power for you if you're able to figure out how to channel that darkness within you. Because again, the darkness is potential. Hmm. So you, you express it, and then you also find an artistic medium, a way of putting it out, and then you find the headspace, and that is what allows the kind of the, that sort of almost that, um, what was the metaphor used, the catapult. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of like when you're feeling that negative emotion, it's like slinging, putting that slingshot or that catapult back, and that artistic expression or catharsis is like letting that go and shooting you in a place that's higher because you've you're able to express that darkness outside of you somewhere and maybe in a way that is actually positive for the people around you instead of bringing other people to like your negative headspace well it sounds like you've actually done a lot a lot a lot of thinking about shadow but not just thinking practicing and dancing with dancing with your emotions with your states with your cycles and bringing that into your artistic practice a lot of it has to do with the way that we think and the lens we see the world through and it's not about trying to cover something up and like i feel like i've encountered so much like love and light people and i think for some people it works really well but for others who have like deep-seated issues maybe with their past or their psychology etc they're going to have to learn how to live with it and how to accept it as a part of themselves instead of trying to cover it over and pretend like nothing's wrong what uh, has the impact been if you sort of compare yourself before you learned to dance with your shadows in that way? And now, what would you say the impact in your life has been? Uh, definitely, I feel like I have more autonomy in my life in the sense that I'm 
I'm the captain of my ship. I feel I, I've done a lot of work to heal different aspects of my shadow and like the wounded child, etc. I've done a lot of work on different aspects of I guess it would be the Jungian shadow or the lower self or the demon self, et cetera, whatever vocabulary you want to use. It's about integrating those aspects into you and understanding that that is that can be a positive thing instead of something that just weighs you down. Again, it's about understanding how it integrates as a part of you and accepting that even if you might see it as a flaw, it can be useful. Um, it's also just about I've also really done a lot of work in changing my mindset about how I think or how I feel about these different emotions, because all emotions and all energy is useful if you're able to channel it in some way. Even the negativity that, like, say, other people might bring into you, um, sometimes bad things just happen for us for no particularly good reason, but you can take that information or that energy as a lesson to understand what you like, what you don't like, what you might work well with, and maybe how to, again, handle that if you encounter it in the future. There's the freedom that's there. There's also the, the self, self-knowledge, self which is there. I'm wondering if you, let's say you imagine you're out with friends and suddenly you're experiencing a, a state of mind that many people would be ashamed of, whether that's feeling suddenly really sad, really scared, maybe something is happening that's triggering you and you're feeling it arising, what, how would you navigate those moments? So one of the important things that I realized is that uh, you must be honest with yourself and the people that you care about. If those people are truly your friends, as you mentioned earlier, then they should understand and empathize with the fact that you might not be feeling well that day. And sometimes it doesn't even require like a good explanation. Sometimes people like Sometimes people will have these emotional times and there's no specific reason or trigger why. And I think that it's good that if you have friends that just understand that that might be a part of you. Um, when you are feeling those moments, it's important to ground yourself into the physical reality, understand where you like physically are in that moment. Under then when you know where you are and you know you're in the physical, uh, you're in your physical body to analyze and think about your thought process um, a lot of my personal practice involves meditation, uh, yeah, meditation and grounding. The grounding part is to simply make sure that you're not stuck in your head because it's. I found it very easy for me to be depressed about the past or anxious about the future. And when I'm doing that, I'm taking up space or like I find that uh, I'm not actually moving or doing anything at all. I seem to be staring into space and doing nothing. And the way that you can organize it is by reminding yourself where you are first and then taking a moment to see your emotions and see your thought process from an outside point of view. Like it's to discern what is the useful parts of these emotions and to not let it overcome you because you're the one in control. You're the one with the thought process. You're the one with the physical body. In terms of events in the past that were traumatic, I think that trauma is stored in the body. Uh, whenever you're experiencing those difficult moments in life, it gets stored somewhere and your body remembers how it feels. And when you think about it, it's almost as if you are experiencing it again and it's stored in the body again. So like I said, grounding yourself is important first because you need to realize that that's not what's currently happening. Figuring out 
where it's coming from and why it's coming up that can be important to you because it might be telling you about your mindset or how you're thinking of yourself or this situation let's take for example something comes up and it triggers like an emotion from your past figuring out how to navigate it and to understand and say hey i understand that this is a scar that i carry understanding that maybe it needs some more work to be healed properly or that this is something that you don't want to have bother you anymore that's important identifying because if you don't heal it then it will continue to come up at other points um until you decide you want to heal it like grounding sounds uh, so necessary especially when things are coming up just coming back okay my thoughts my my body the place that i'm in i'll point out that like um everything comes in cycles and in waves and sometimes these difficult emotions are inevitable no matter like no matter how much you meditate or how much like therapy you do or go through um sometimes these things just happen and it really is just about remembering to navigate it and having the tools necessary in order to figure it out what's important is that everybody has their own unique way of thinking it's about understanding and navigating your own mind because some tools might work for some people and some tools might not I like what you were saying about the potential of it as well. It'd be so easy to look at shadow as this problem. And you're saying, no, it's untapped potential. You don't even know. It hasn't been defined. I wanted to transition to a little bit to talk about gender with you. I yeah. grew up in a world where, you know, lots of binaries, lots of uh, boy, girl. Um, and that continues to a lot of the spaces that I navigate today where people have, you know, the the black and white way of looking at gender. And I was curious about you, how you define gender and how you experience gender in your life. All right, so let me share a little bit about my gender journey. Up until the age of like maybe 14 or 16, when I entered high school, I was born into a male body and I feel like um, I subscribed to the idea of like masculinity. And then around 16, I identified with the word agender or lack of gender. I think that I just really did not like the idea of being seen as male and when I identified as agender, I just really wanted to reject the notion of masculinity. Um, I kept using the term agendered until my early 20s, mostly because I really didn't like the idea of having to try to fit the box of what a traditional male had to look like or act like. And it's odd because um, even though I'm born into a male body, I understood that I had the privilege of being seen as male. So uh, let's say in the workplace, I had female coworkers and I'm born into a male body. I would relate a lot to my female coworkers, but I noticed that the men would see me differently than them, or sorry, would see me differently than my female coworkers, uh, especially if I didn't do anything to try to make it explicit that I was non-binary or that I wasn't specifically male. I came to a point where I really didn't feel like hiding that aspect of me anymore. And so I started doing something simple like, um, say drawing my eyebrows or wearing like eyeliner to express the other aspects of me that are not masculine and I could tell immediately that they treated me differently or that they saw me differently just because of like this one change. What's odd is that um, I felt more like myself with this makeup or with these different aspects that made me not completely male but it seemed to have switched something off in their mind or in their head and I came to terms with that, understanding that my own personal happiness, my own sense of identity is more important than how they see me. 
So currently, um, especially after, after all of that, when I started to explore spirituality, I started seeing everything as having different aspects of masculinity and femininity. And in fact, uh, in my research, I found that a lot of, let's say, pre-colonial religions had this idea of a mixture of man and woman that weren't completely binary. There were more than two genders in a lot of the pre-colonial world. And um, in my heritage, because I'm Filipino, there were definitely a lot of like non-binary genders to the point where they had very specific names for them. <laughs> I'll point this out because uh, this seems to have existed in a lot of different cultures. The idea of like the man-woman or somebody who is considered half man, half woman uh, beyond the physical body. A lot of um, people that you would call like magicians, witches, shamans, etc., they seem to understand gender as beyond being this binary. And in some way, they become an intermediary between the two opposites of genders, but also between like the physical and the spiritual. I think there's a lot of correlation through all of that. And that's what I resonate a lot with. So currently I use the term non-binary to describe my gender identity because I don't see myself as explicitly male and I don't see myself as explicitly female. I think that who I am is not dependent on how other people see me. And however, whatever gender expression other people assign to me or whatever pronouns other people use tells me more about them and how they see me instead of how I see myself. I see myself as just an ever-changing blend. And I would like to see myself as the direct middle of the two or yeah, between masculinity and femininity. But I understand that uh, that can go in cycles and it comes in waves depending on how I act and how I present myself. I think it's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful that it's you. You determine it. And if someone is judging you or looking at you, it's that's those are their labels, their mind, their way of looking at it. One of the other things that I'll add to that is that drag really helped me understand my gender identity as well. Because before, like around the time when I explored spirituality is around the time when I started doing drag and transitioned from being agender, like without gender expression, to fully understanding how I'm expressing myself and my gender. Um, ultimately, my understanding is that gender is performed, whether we're performing it to, like, if you are a male, I understand that masculinity, like bro culture, that seems to be a very projected type of thing. And it's not that it isn't true, it's that I understand that sometimes men <laughs> will act very specific when they're in a group of men without any women and that's up to them and that's their culture. Um, same thing for women as well. Right, so there's that malleability depending on the social context as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like all aspects of gender are determined by society or the society that we live in. And then it's up to us to decide how much of that we want to express or not express. When you use those terms, masculinity and femininity, what do they conjure up for you without needing to put rigid definitions on them? Um, what do you, when you use those terms, what are you referring to? In my understanding, like specifically spiritually, there's this idea called the principle of gender, the idea that everything has its masculine and feminine polarities. 
when we say something is masculine, it means that it goes outward, it initiates, it projects and goes forward. When something is considered feminine, it typically goes inward, it holds and it sort of cycles and renews itself. Um, there are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of different ways that it can be sort of explained metaphorically. The easiest one to think of is the sun and the moon. If you think about what the sun is in the sky, it sort of directs a lot of things and it continues to give its energy outward. The moon um, is reflective and it takes the sun's energy and decides what to project out or backwards or outwards. Uh, for me, my understanding of my gender is understanding when I have to be the initiator or have that masculine energy or when it's best at me, uh, best for me to be naturally a bit more receptive or you know, going with whatever is around me. I, I use the term masculine and feminine energy loosely because I think that it's very possible for people born in male bodies to be naturally more feminine in energy, and it has nothing to do with their gender expression. Um, opposite is true. Some female-bodied people that I've encountered uh, have a lot of masculine energy, despite how the their gender is identified as. It's about understanding... Um, how to balance this out within myself and when whichever one is necessary. Personally, though, I will say I think that I stand more strongly or firmly in my feminine aspect and feminine energy than I do in my masculine energy. Yeah, I mean, like beyond like the literal sex or gender, I think that we use this concept all the time. Uh, for example, we're taking turns talking and listening. If I'm speaking, I'm using my masculine energy to speak to you. And you'd be using your feminine energy to receive that information and then to extrapolate on it. Yeah. And I like how you've taken it out of the bedroom as well. It's not about <laughs> the not about the sex, not about the gender, not about the physical expression, none of it. It's a natural role that we're all carrying um, in different times in both of them. I'm wondering, you know, how might you specifically in regards to gender exploration um, and expression, how might you encourage someone who's been brought up in a you know, a very rigid binary to begin, you know, gentle explorations of connecting to how they feel and how they might want choose to express um, their gender. I think the way that I went through it myself was a very much a shock to the system in that if you are doing drag, it is very much about thinking like very literally and heavily about how you present yourself. Um, I think that if you want to understand your own gender identity, a lot of it is uh, self-reflection or like thinking about how you come across. A lot of it comes from like self-analysis, whether that is literally looking into a mirror or thinking about the jargon that you use or the things that you consider um, as your virtues. Like uh, a lot of it is figuring out what your identity is, like what can you say you are and what can you say you are not? without feeling like you are lying to yourself. If you're talking to yourself only and you're being truly honest with yourself, you can figure out, I guess, where you would like to go in terms of gender identity or gender expression. Because again, ultimately, a lot of what other people think, they're going to extrapolate whatever they think. Like that what, however you're acting is feminine or masculine, however you look is feminine or masculine, et cetera. But what does the gender euphoria feel like to you specifically? Um, I'm gonna use this as an example. Like 
I know a lot of like trans men that exist out there. Some of them are very quote unquote passing and that might be an ideal of masculine beauty, but that doesn't have to be the absolute of masculine beauty towards everyone or towards oneself. I know a lot of people who identify as trans men and they do different like things to change their body like binding or having a different haircut, um, et cetera, but they don't have surgery or they don't take hormones because they found a comfortable aspect or they've come to terms with their physical body and understanding um, that they don't necessarily need all these different things to feel comfortable as a man. A part of it, I guess, with the gender identity and expression is understanding how you see yourself, how comfortable you are with seeing yourself. And if you are uncomfortable, what are you going to do to make yourself become the image of your imagination? Whether that is like surgery or hormones or performing drag. There's that conversation and it's kind of um, almost like the envisioning how you feel inside and finding a way to have that shine out. I like that word use euphoria of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I guess in my personal opinion, or for the way that I do my art, I like to do things that are a bit more abstract or things that are connected a bit more to the spirit. But drag to me is a lot about exploring that idea of gender or like changing your body so that you become that sort of image or you embody energy that might not be that may be counterintuitive to you or may be counterintuitive to how other people used to see you. And that I, I like, it's almost, it makes me, it brings an image of like a jujitsu, like it's coming, the perception's coming at you and you're like, oh, I choose. And you're playing with it. You're, you're, you're the one that chooses how it, it bounces back, how you roll with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like to me, a lot of it is very much just like an energy work or figuring out that you can trick people's sense of aesthetic so that what like the whatever preconceived notions they have about your gender now you're exaggerating different features to act a more feminine or masculine or however it is you want to be seen uh, so that you become that image at least on a visual sort of scale mm -hmm. um and not just that but like also the way that you perform or the way that you act uh, again i feel like gender is a lot can be very much performed so when you take on the mannerisms of that gender or that identity that you want, people can at the very least play into that um, and see you with that. Last thing I'll say about it is the thing that helped me a lot with drag is uh, I used to have a very sort of depreciating view of myself and I didn't see myself as much, but by changing the way other people saw me, I learned how to receive and accept love. And eventually I learned how to change the way that I see myself. So it's been very healing for me in that sort of way. Go back to what you're saying about the interior and the exterior, like their perception of you allowed you to change your own interior dialogue, your dialogue and how you saw yourself. Yeah. And then like it eventually made me realize that like in terms of general identity, it didn't necessarily matter how they felt about me. It was sort of just like the a kickstarting moment or this um, sort of spark to help ignite that in me and to realize, oh, it doesn't fully require them to see me this way. I just need to be able to see this within myself. Even when I'm out of drag now, I can see myself 
uh, with these feminine aspects or see myself as the shadow and use that full power without having to be completely in makeup. And do you have a process? Do you when you're, you have a lot of um, processes of dialogue with yourself? Does it happen naturally or do you have set rituals or ways of engaging in connection and dialogue with yourself on mm -hmm. these themes? Kind of. So if anyone was curious, my path is very much closely like related to the idea of shamanism and then Western magic that is like Kabbalah as well as like ceremonial magician. Um, a lot of me understanding my shadow or what it is that I want to portray is sort of creating a spirit for it or talking to myself as though I were both me and the thing that I'm trying to conjure. Um, my shadow is one of the forms that I like to speak as the most. And when I envision my shadow, it does appear to be like a giant marionette or like a giant puppet. And when I have that dialogue with them, it's the chance for me to be honest with myself and to think as my shadow and to say it out loud. It's possible for me to be quiet or for anyone to be quiet and to not think or to have that just inner dialogue on its own. But I do like to verbalize it out loud because it means that you have to hear it. It means you have to really live it and experience it. And you might be surprised by what you say or what you like what you're thinking when you're doing it organically and on your own because like there's no judgment that comes with this it's only you and yourself figuring out what that other aspect of you wants to convey if they had the chance to speak to you as though they're an external person can really help you figure out what their motive is what they want and where you can integrate it as a part of yourself it sounds like a lot of fun honestly <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is for me there should be some sort of sense of fun or catharsis or enjoyment from it so like if you are a christian person or if you go to like um church every sunday etc there should be an aspect of you that should feel fulfilled or entertained etc when you do have these large meetings with people or when you ever you go to church or pray etc if you aren't enjoying your spirituality then why are you exploring it in that type of way? If you aren't enjoying it, then maybe there is another way that you can see it or another practice that you can incorporate into it that feels more right for you, that's still based on tradition, but is more personal. You know, you, you mentioned how everything, it, it's all customizable. Who are you? What's your interior experience, the role of your past? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going <laughs> to. I'll add one more thing to what I was saying just like slightly earlier. I've had a lot of uh, personal internal like dialogues and conflict with the idea of the capital G-O-D, God. My understanding is that we are all given our own path in life. It's up to us to discern for ourselves what that right path is. And there is no one true spirituality or religion or et cetera that will work for absolutely everyone. I think we are each our own unique person and that God or whoever gave us our body, our set of eyes, our understanding of the world around us as a unique to ourselves so that we can come to terms and understand why we were put into this life or how to navigate the world and the spirit in our body. 
sort of like a starting invitation. You're, you arrive in this, this planet with this body and the spirit and have fun, enjoy, explore, explore what's there. Yeah, exactly. Cause like, I, I feel like if there was meant to only be like one true spirituality, et cetera, then there wouldn't be so many different ways that you could view the spirit. There wouldn't be so many different religions or spiritualities or different types of mysticism out there. So I encourage you, if this is something that's interesting to you, feel free to explore it and take what does actually resonate with you. And if you really want to understand a tradition, figure out why these things are traditional. One thing I wanted to touch on is this um, this idea of transmuting a deep shame into a sense of acceptance or perhaps even celebration. Yeah. And we just, you know, there's pride season where lots of people are pride, pride, pride. And I wanted to ask you, you know, how do we, how might one get there when there's a sense of shame that's not just in one's head, it's also projected onto you know it's also comes in the form of judgment from other people assuming it's not a situation of physical danger but you're receiving that judgment you're receiving there's that sense of oh i'm not this is a problem with me and beyond grounding and mindfully um returning to a baseline of the nervous system how how can that be transmuted in, into the celebration in the way that you've done it so it's interesting is that like i mentioned earlier everything has opposites shame and pride are two opposites or like i guess technically it would be humility and pride but a lot of us feel humiliated or defeated or ashamed of these different aspects of ourselves in some places i will agree that it's not necessarily safe to be out and proud and open but a lot of it comes from understanding yourself and how you view yourself remember like whoever it is that's going to or see you in the world they're going to have their opinion of you um, it's important to make sure that you don't take their opinion as your own, even if you are very close with them, like say they're your family member or their close friend or their colleague that sees you regularly. Understand that they don't define who you are, you define who you are. Understanding where your shame comes from and wondering where that comes from, that's a uh, deep-rooted work. But pride, like trying to understand yourself and being proud in the moment of who you are and everything that you've accomplished, just being present in that day. If you see that as a victory because of everything that you've gone through and the just the fact that you're breathing and you're alive, that's a very good first step. And just being proud of the things that you have done in your life that are successful, that will also help you. I think that our brain likes to focus a lot on the negative things and like even if you have a bunch of positive things happen in your life, it's very likely that we'll hyperfixate on like the one negative thing that occurred. Remember that that's that is an energy, that is an emotion. It's not the thing that defines you. And if if other people assign it to you, remember that's not all of you. Remember how you see yourself. Remember how your friends see you. The people who love you as you are sees you. And ultimately. Figure out how to love yourself, even if you feel that shame, or and eventually, when even when you don't feel that shame anymore, you'll. A lot of this is just about self acceptance and understanding how to appreciate who you are in that moment. 
Well, you mentioned that you arrive at that sense of uh, love towards yourself in your journey. And how do you practice that love towards yourself? So it can be very little things like picking out the clothes that I want to wear for myself and being intentional about um, how I keep my space. Like, again, cleaning is a form of self-love and self-care because uh, it's showing you and the objects that you have that you care about them. Picking out uh, nice clothes that you think are fun, it's showing to the world what it is that you choose to wear. Um, even something as simple as like washing your face, washing your hands, that's taking care of yourself or your body, etc. Or doing small things for yourself to make sure that you have a good sort of a good life in the long run. I think that these are things that contribute towards a healthy self-image. Um, it's nuanced from person to person, so I can't speak for everyone, but if you take care of yourself and your environment, I think that the self-love will sort of come naturally. And I know a lot of people who have like deep-rooted issues, and it's not something that will be solved all at once. And they think that, oh, if you love yourself one day and then you don't love yourself the next, then you've gone down. Remember that these things come and go in cycles. We might be very hard on ourselves one day, but, and if you do feel hard on yourself, appreciate it for what it is, take the useful things out of it, and then don't judge yourself too hard. And when you do eventually find the victories, reflect on how positive you feel in that moment, savor it and treasure it. And think of all the different things that have gone in the past that have led to your victory in that moment. Because like, life is a cycle. It'll keep going forward and backward. All you have to do is navigate it. I'm wondering if uh, Cora Anarchy had a party day where mm -hmm. it's essentially anything that she wants to do. It's her it's the entire day. It's a day-long party where unlimited budget and she basically gets up to whatever she wants to in town or where she goes. What would be in her you know, magical party day? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I had the choice and I was able to do whatever, um, I'd probably do a lot of like live music shows. I'm really into like punk and metal music, and I'd like to support the scene. I'd like to see all types of arts, like performance arts, uh, just around me, or where people see themselves in the way that or the way that they want to. Um, to me, there's something very magical about drag. There's something magical about live music and expressing these different aspects of yourself because it appeals to a part of us that is not necessarily literal or that it we might see as immediately practical like it doesn't provide us food shelter water what it does is that it engages our spirit and it inspires us to want these different things for ourselves it inspires us to improve our quality of life and to continue moving on to the next day because it reminds us, this is why I'm alive. This is what I'm enjoying right now. Um, I'm, I'm really into the idea of developing communities or having those personal connections with other people and beyond different identifiers like what we might relate to in terms of our identity, in terms of our race, um, in terms of our sexuality, finding these different things that make us different and finding these different things that connect us together, like the choices of things that we enjoy, that can create a stronger community because we have all these things that sets our worldview apart 
but we have things that connect us together. So would I be right in saying that Cora is a very loving being? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. There's the saying, love is the law, love under will. Actually, okay, let me quote the whole thing because it's from Aleister Crowley. If you're curious, there's this religion called Thelema. The quote is, do what thou will is the whole of the law. Love is the law, love under will. So figure out what your true will is and do so with love in your heart and make sure that love is what you're trying to lead with. Um, and that isn't to say that you have to be completely love and light. Sometimes we must express different darker aspects of ourselves, but we might need to do so in a way that is um, loving or out of love to protect what we love or because you care enough about that person to express those things that are negative, maybe to you, and it might help them learn something in the long run. That is a very caring act. I have one last question for you. Go for it. You have a magic wand, you know, with, you know, perhaps a bit of a spin, some sound effects, and it makes one change in the world. Anything? What would it change? I wish that we all had like some sort of capacity, almost like a literal on and off switch to selectively empathize with one person because, or not necessarily one specific person. I mean, like, let's say you wanted to empathize with one specific person. Maybe you could turn on that switch so that you could feel what they're feeling, or you could know that everyone has that capacity. Because I think a lot of social problems occur in the world because we don't understand what somebody's thinking or we don't understand what somebody's feeling. And it's especially difficult when there are things dividing us like um, a level of income, like class or race or gender identity, et cetera. We have to try to sympathize with somebody without knowing exactly how it feels. And chances are there are people out there that don't want to empathize or who lack empathy. And again, that's like a skill that you either cultivate or we don't use at all or that some people don't use. I think that if we had the capacity or we understood that there is the potential for us to fully empathize with each other, that could change a lot of issues because it shows that it shows that you're actually genuinely trying to understand someone. And if somebody doesn't use it, it means that you know that they clearly do not care about whatever it is the other person's thinking. I think that throughout life, it's similar to this and that you will empath or a lot of people do empathize or to different degree degrees they will but at some point you'll have to discern whether somebody is feigning empathy or doing it on like cerebral level or if they actually empathize with you and are willing to try to feel the way you feel that would be incredible knowing just knowing that everyone had that capacity Thank you yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah it just uh yeah like I think everybody has it to different capacities or to different lengths or levels. I just think that a lot of social problems could be solved if we could all empathize like properly. I totally agree. Thank you so much, Cora Anarchy, for, for joining today. Thank you so much for having me.